Hello and welcome to Freelancing for Journalists, the podcast that tells you everything you need to know about working for yourself. I'm Emma Wilkinson, a freelance journalist specialising in health and medicine. And I'm Lily Cantor, a freelance money, health and lifestyle journalist. This week, uh, the topic of the podcast is imposter syndrome and what to do about it if you ever have it. Yeah, so if you haven't heard of imposter syndrome or you're not exactly sure what it is, let's start with a little bit of a definition. So imposter syndrome is a way to explain that sort of feeling of self-doubt. It might be something that you attribute to your accomplishments. Um, So maybe you attribute them to luck rather than ability. And it's associated with a fear that others will eventually unmask you as a fraud. Yes, so you might feel like you haven't earned something or you're not good enough or you don't really know what you're doing. Um, The initial research that coined this term in the 1970s suggested that this was a phenomenon that was unique to women, but since then other researchers have found it affects men as well, just as much, potentially, some say. Yeah, and I think there's several ways in which freelancers may be susceptible to this, um, particularly because quite often we're working in isolated environments, maybe at home on our own. But things like often not getting feedback for your work or perhaps sending pictures into a void, not hearing anything back. Um, But it's also kind of important to be able to recognise when you've kind of gone above and beyond so you know it's it's difficult if you don't have an annual appraisal to outline your your progress and you haven't got anyone there you haven't got a boss sort of telling you you know you you're doing a good job so it it can be more prevalent I think amongst freelancers yeah and sort of on top of all that you might quite often be doing something new or out of your usual comfort zone Um, And all the while, you kind of feel like other freelancers you follow on social media have it all sorted. And so, I mean, we always say this job does require a fair bit of resilience. And so it is quite easy for that feeling of being a fraud to creep in. Lily, have you ever suffered from what you think of as imposter syndrome? Yeah, I was thinking about this. And I think the thing that quite often happens with me is that a lot of the stuff they do is quite technical when I'm covering sort of personal finance stories and it may be a topic that I'm not kind of 100% sure of. So last year I did a lot of stories around leasehold, which is incredibly complicated. There's loads of kind of legal obscurities and I spent a lot of time um, talking to people about it and kind of feeling like, oh, I don't really get this. Um, and, you know, talking to members of the public that just knew so much about the topic. Um, and more recently I did a piece about cryptocurrency, which was something I was really interested in, but I didn't have a, you know, again, a great amount of knowledge. So sometimes it's kind of that feeling of all, am I really an expert enough to be covering this kind of story? You know, it's not kind of the thing that I cover all the time. It's something kind of out of my comfort zone, I suppose. Um, And I think for me, that's kind of when it creeps in when I'm covering those kind of topics. What about you? Have you got that sort of experience or something different, Emma? Yes. I mean, I wouldn't say so much in the topics because I'm usually writing about the same stuff at the moment. It's just coronavirus. Um, But it does creep in a bit when I'm doing new work or 
cold pitching to someone new um or especially if I'm doing something like you say a bit out of your comfort zone so an example I was asked earlier this year to chair a panel discussion at a conference which never happened thanks to the pandemic um but I kind of I definitely have the skills to do this I'm used to public speaking the topic was one I know a lot about but I did have a moment of why are they asking me I think you might remember Lily I emailed you to go hmm I'm gonna have to be a grown-up at this conference um so have they got the wrong person I'm usually quite good at spotting when I'm doing it though and my response is to sort of plow on and just say yes and figure out the rest later but in that case I did go back to them and ask them how they'd found me um, and then they talked about reading some articles I'd written on this topic they'd looked at my profile on LinkedIn and my website and then I could kind of re I realized then oh yeah they've come to me knowing exactly who I am and what my skills are and they've chosen me on the basis of that so just gave myself a talking to for stop being so silly um, and moving on to our top tips which is how we start every episode that would be mine to think it through logically and try and remind yourself why you can do this what your skills are what your experience is to kind of help you put those feelings of insecurity into perspective uh, so Lily what what's your top tip this week so I think my tip going back to what I was saying before is about remembering that you don't have to be an expert that your job is actually to be the lay person um, so as a journalist we often find ourselves um, covering topics that perhaps at the beginning we don't know huge amounts but we have to find the right experts to speak to find the right information do the research and sort of by the end of end of the article you are some kind of sort of semi-expert in that topic um, but really it's not you know to worry about to kind of give yourself a break and just think you know my job here is to think of this as I'm become I'm coming at this from the perspective of kind of someone who doesn't know anything and that's my audience and that's who I need to explain it to um, and then you're drawing on the people that do have that knowledge so it's you know not to worry if not every single topic you cover is something that you know a lot about or feel particularly comfortable in and that's the challenge and that's what makes the job interesting is kind of you know becoming an expert in lots of different things um before kind of moving on to the next thing um yeah yeah i would really i would absolutely agree with that um let's bring in our guest for this week and uh, get their perspective on this so first we have donna ferguson hi donna hi um, she's a multiple award-winning freelance journalist uh, who writes for several national newspapers. She spent 10 years as a specialist journalist uh, for trade and consumer titles before switching to freelancing seven years ago. Now you might recognise her as a regular contributor to The Guardian and The Observer, writing about everything from art and celebrity interviews, big investigations, topical features, breaking news stories, education, financial stories. Recently, she had her first front page splash for the Observer, very exciting, and one wasn't enough because the next week she had another. <laughs> uh, and she also recently wrote a feature on how to handle rejection, which we are definitely going to be asking her about uh, shortly. So hi Donna, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for inviting me, I'm really looking forward to it. And we also have Nick McGrath, hi there Nick. Hi, hello, good afternoon. Uh, Nick is an experienced freelance entertainment journalist with 15 years experience. He's regularly written for most of the UK's national newspapers. He specialises in celebrity profiles 
and has interviewed Olympians, Oscar winners, national treasures, supermodels, soap stars, parliamentarians, and everyone in between. He's also written for TV, PR'd for The Big Breakfast, ghost-written autobiographies, and in his own words, embarrassed himself on numerous occasions in the name of journalism. So great to have you on the show, Nick. Nice to be here. Donna, let's start with you. So what's your experience with imposter syndrome? And, and let's have your top tip. Okay, well, um, I'm really delighted to be here, by the way, because I'm a big fan of this podcast. I think it's absolutely great. And I think you're doing a really good service for all the freelancers out there who, you know, just need a bit of advice and tips and just a bit of company, to be honest, and someone <laughs> who understands someone who understands what they're going through. Um, so yeah, so I, I've had massive imposter syndrome when I first started freelancing um, I'd spent a year on maternity leave after having a, a daughter um, and basically I was you know freelancing in her nap times in the evening and then like during like one or two mornings a week she was in formal childcare so most of the time I just finished like changing a dirty nappy or I knew there was a crying baby that or a baby that might start crying in a few minutes of you know in, in the room or something so the whole time I was calling up and saying hi I, I'm a journalist for the Guardian I felt so fake and I felt like they're gonna know they're gonna know so I thought like I have to be really upfront that I'm freelance I'm not staff and like you know I don't want to get found out that I'm pretending that I'm you know writing for the Guardian when I'm, I'm actually just freelance I, I sort of felt like that about it um but my top tip really for for dealing with imposter syndrome is when you get those feelings of fear when you get when you feel really scared that's when you've got to go for it because that's when you know that your job is really exciting and challenging and you are you're pushing yourself to the furthest point that you can can go and you're going to try something new and it comes back to what you were saying really Lily about the challenge is what makes the job really great and it's thrilling and every single time that I've felt scared and then I've pushed myself to do it anyway it's always worked out really really well and um honestly there hasn't been a single time that it's worked out badly for me in my career like something where I thought I wasn't capable of and then I, I went for it and I every single time it's it's gone amazingly well like unbelievably well so I recommend it to everyone <laughs> that's really great to hear you being kind of turning it around really and making it um kind of a positive thing and, and that kind of almost that adrenaline from doing something that kind of scares you and makes you feel uncomfortable yeah and it all makes you kind of immune to imposter syndrome because like when you feel it you just kind of step outside yourself almost like mindfulness go I am feeling imposter syndrome I am not going to let it stop me I'm not going to continue in this train of thought because actually I'm I'm on this track and I'm going for it because that's what I want to do you know and it, you just you almost like have to sort of step outside yourself and go this is just imposter syndrome. I'm not, I'm not thinking those thoughts. Those thoughts are not, not real like that, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, Nick, Nick, how about you? Cause you obviously deal with some pretty high profile people. Do you ever kind of feel like, why am I in the room with this person? You know, what, what am I doing here? Um, and what would your tips kind of be for people starting out on kind of not in, not letting that feeling get the better of them? Yeah, I mean, I think momentarily maybe there's been occasions where I've interviewed people who, on the face of it, are very high profile and, you know, very famous. So your initial brain sort of tells you that in some way they're better than you just because they've reached whatever profile they've reached. But actually, I try to sort of do this whenever I interview anyone. You know, they are just 
they're just people who happen to have a particular skill at you know writing acting singing telling jokes whatever they're, they're really no different from anyone else so once you sort of find yourself that that is the case then any sort of status difference which might have existed goes out the window and then the nerves just go and i think as well as a freelance i think it's important to remind yourself i think staff journalists or editors when you speak to them would probably admit this i think just the very decision to be a freelancer it's quite a brave decision because it's not easy you have to generate everything yourself and there's a lot of instability but the fact that you've made that decision most staffers when you speak to probably 100 journalists most would not even consider being freelance they're too scared they wouldn't want to do it they don't think they've got it in them to do it so the fact that you have decided to do that you need to pat yourself on the back and remind yourself that it is quite a brave decision and you know to succeed and to carry on doing it, you've got to have resilience you've got to be a self-starter so they're all really positive traits they're just just when you have the moments of sort of um, indecision and lack of confidence, just remind yourself, you know, if you've been doing it, if you've been doing it for one year or even six months, you're a success because it's hard, especially when you start off. I mean, I guess in terms of imposter syndrome, I mean, I've been doing this for like 15 years and I think it's, it's rare now. I don't, I don't really feel that anymore, but yeah, you know, when I was starting, definitely felt it a lot, but you just have to just persist, you know, just, just, keep going, don't, don't sort of lose your confidence when you get rejections because you know you, you've got the ability, you've got the talent, you've got the skills to do it, so just, just keep doing it and then that feeling of imposter syndrome will probably sort of gradually fade away and as, as it fades you'll feel more confident and you just sort of go in that direction. But it's just not letting it squash you too early and just sort of um, hanging in there. Yes, I mean it does, I think I've found that it does improve over time as you get kind of more comfortable in roles and the things that you're doing I mean we've kind of all said as experienced freelance journalists that we get imposter syndrome from time to time and that's normal I guess it would only be a problem if it started to get in the way of your work or stops you from doing um, new things so that might be putting off pitching to a publication you really want to work for not applying for a role feeling you've done a bad job if a piece you've done has been edited to death which sometimes happens um, so let's talk about some strategies for overcoming this. So the first one that comes to my mind is to form a network, get a group of fellow journalists or kind of join in with an existing network who you trust, who you can talk to about this. So you can kind of maybe realise that you're not the only one who goes through this. And um, Donna, would you agree with that? Do you think that would help? Yeah, definitely. I think, and not just necessarily, yeah, with, with, with other journalists but other freelancers particularly because I found that um, when I when I first started out and I was getting rejected um, and sometimes editors didn't even reply to me which really shocked me at the time <laughs> which was a bit silly um, and I remember being like you know so rude it's so rude to a, a friend who was freelance and she's like Donna it's not personal it's just business they're busy and just get over yourself you know and that really helped me um, to realise that it's my job to pitch that I'm a freelancer that's what I do so I have to pitch so you know it's it's not about um I just I just think you've got to kind of be aware that it's not it's not the end of the world to get rejected which I think you said we're going to come on to and, and imposter syndrome is a bit of, a little bit like that because I think you feel imposter syndrome when actually to some extent you get commissioned and you don't feel capable of the commission and you feel like that's when you're scared as well so I think to some extent um you know and, and that can hold you back from pitching because you think if I did get the commission 
I wouldn't actually feel comfortable doing it. So I'm not going to pitch even though I've got this great idea. And that's such a shame because you are your own worst enemy in that situation. And, and you've got to sort of think to yourself, the worst that can happen is that I might, you know, I might not um, write this amazing feature, but the editor knows how to turn it into a better feature. And at least I've tried, at least I've done my best and put, you know, and I can get a brief and I can, you know, I can get like help with that from the editor. So you just got to go for it, I think, in life. Otherwise, what's the point? You know, it's that kind of thing. It's like live your life because no one else is going to live it. Yes, I mean, Lily and I do this probably without even thinking about it quite often in that if we're I don't know, thinking about a new project or how to send an email and you're not sure about something, that you can yeah. run it past another person first to get their kind of a second opinion just to reassure you that you're on the right track or what you're saying is not unreasonable or ridiculous. So having those people within kind of other freelancers who you can trust to run stuff by can be quite important, I think. Yeah, and, and, and even also just some support, like my husband was really supportive of me when I was starting out and I had editors who were encouraging me um, and that definitely helped me. I think, you, you know, you can put a lot of pressure on, on yourself as well to get everything right first time and sometimes you just got to accept that you're not going to do it perfectly. It's just, I think you just got to, yeah, just try and see what happens. And um, often you do develop really good relationships with people by getting rejected. And I think it's really important to remember as well, um, editors, you know, they might not always reply to your pitch immediately, but basically every single commission the editor there is wants a great team of writers, whether they're staff writers or freelancers, they need them, you know, they're not writing the newspaper, they're just, they're pulling it together. So every single pitch they get is a potential regular great writer that they could be using. So you just got to persist, you know, if they don't reply, there could be a million reasons why they haven't replied. It doesn't mean they hate you. It just means something else is happening at that point. So just keep going. And also I think it's important to, if you can, get some feedback, you know, and maybe they can't give you feedback, but it, it is possible to try and get some. And then it's like a learning process. So, you know, I mean, I, the, probably the way I pitch today is pretty radically different from 15 years ago. You know, I've developed all sorts of sort of, tricks and tactics to be more successful at it but you know you don't instantly know them you have to learn them so it's just a, you know it's a learning process yeah and i guess it's also about kind of a bit like we said earlier about keeping in mind kind of what you've achieved so far and and like we said about you know being freelance is hard and and the fact that you put yourself in that position means that you're a lot kind of braver than perhaps in, in those that, that are not willing to do that, even if, if they want to. Um, and we did mention a couple of weeks ago on the episode about fighting for fair pay that we're kind of often told or made to think that we're kind of lucky to be doing this job and there's millions of people out there that will do it. Maybe we'll do it for free or, or for less money. Um, and I just wonder, kind of Nick, kind of how do we kind of keep our achievements in mind and that sort of sense of, perspective that you know we deserve to be doing this this is our job well I mean personally um just I mean I, I think any freelance journalist really you need to get a website really I think it's sort of essential to to have that sort of shop window for other commissioning editors and to remind yourself as well so you know over time you can you can look back and think oh god yeah I've forgotten that I actually did that piece and god I've got that 
cover of that magazine or I got that front page or I interviewed that person. And, you know, when you're feeling full of doubt, just, just look at the good stuff and think, oh, actually, well, that's, that's pretty good, actually. So that, that's an easy way to do it. I absolutely recommend everyone doing that. Yeah, I, I think I'm one of the few freelancers that doesn't have a website, um, but I, I can see that that would help. I mean, what I what I do as well is, um, I actually did this when I was um, applying for a job recent, um, quite recently. I, I basically, I, I put together a CV of lots of compliments <laughs> of editors. So the different editors that I've written for, because obviously as a freelancer, you don't really have like, a, you know, over the years I've progressed and I did this and this and this. It's just like, I just put together some of the things that they said about my work. Um, and yeah, it was amazing. And um, because it really, it really made me go, wow, I've, I've had some really lovely compliments from editors. And that is just such a sort of self-esteem boost, um, I think. Yes, it really is. And I think sometimes we forget that we can ask for feedback. I mean, you, you can do it in it, especially if you work for people, for people regularly, you can kind of say, you know, is there something else I can be doing for you? Are you happy with kind of how it's working? Am I giving you everything the way you need it? And that's fine to have that general chat. I mean, recently, because we've done the book and the podcast and the online training and webinars, we've been collecting all these testimonials um, for that side of things. And I was doing my own website and I thought I could have a testimonial for me. So I went, it just never crossed my mind before. So I went and asked an editor that I do a lot of work for and he sent it back within like two minutes and it was amazing. I was like, why have I never asked for this before? This is going to keep me going till Christmas. This is great, this feedback. Um, so, you know, as long as you're not kind of badgering people who don't want your pitch, <laughs> what's wrong with me? Tell me that's, that's not useful. But there are circumstances when it's okay to say, you know, can we have a chat about how I'm doing? Um, the other thing that might be useful for those starting out is to get a mentor. The various schemes that offer this. So I'm a mentor with the Women in Journalism scheme, for example. Um, the Freelance Journalist Assembly have uh, some mentor schemes they're putting in place. Presspad have been doing some similar work on that recently. Um, Donna, is this something that, have you ever kind of been involved in that? Is that something that you would advocate? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think I've got about five mentees at the moment because <laughs> you don't you don't really uh go away once you've got one it's kind of you've got one for life so um yeah and also i, I so i mentor people through women in journalism through the um journalism diversity fund um scholarship scheme and also use second source which is another journalism networking organization and i definitely i i mean and also just actually i just picked a journalist a young journalist um that wrote something in the Guardian that I just approached her and said like if you need any help and so I've been helping her a bit as well um, and I just think sometimes um, a mentor can really give you that boost of confidence and, and that insight into why somebody's for example not responding to email or what they mean when they say something or like why you shouldn't get discouraged or just encourage you to pitch or give you a contact or you know just explain the way things work and you can in your head make more of a big deal out of something than it actually is in reality and I think a mentor can really help you to see the wood for the trees and in that way so yeah I definitely recommend getting a mentor especially if you're just starting out in journalism and um, I mean I, I actually had a, a mentor I have had mentors throughout my career and they've definitely encouraged me um, not sort of official ones through schemes I guess but just just editors that 
I've worked with really closely and kind of become good friends with and and they've really helped me to develop in my career and you know I know that I could go to them and say I've got a work problem about something else and they would sort of talk me through that so I think um yeah I think mentoring really is good definitely yeah I've I've got um a mentee as well same through as Emma through um women in journalism but like you say I find you kind of pick up sort of ad hoc people along the way or I know that we we had some people through our webinars that have been kind of in contact with us since I had one and tweeted me last night actually asking for some advice and it's kind of that idea of again we've talked about this before but not seeing other freelancers as um competition um but very much seeing them as kind of your colleagues and you know we're in a network of people and, and definitely at the moment there is a real drive for that and a real kind of sense of community um and i guess with all these things it's just realizing that everyone else is probably feeling the same or has felt the same at some point um particularly kind of for those people that are starting out and i guess it's also about sort of setting yourself goals and not worrying if you don't reach them kind of straight away so there might be certain publications that you, you know you want to work for um but not to kind of get too concerned if you don't kind of immediately get commissioned by them and i wonder nick with you with with your kind of career um trajectory with, i mean have, have you kind of ended up where you wanted to be um yeah i mean mine's pretty eclectic really so I, i've i mean i have probably got six or seven different editors I write for regularly, different sections, and that's just sort of grown as the years have gone on. But it's interesting you say about sort of building it up. I mean, there's, I, I, um, I think I pitched to, there's a celebrity travel interview for the Daily Telegraph, which I started pitching for in about, I think it was about 2009. And uh, the editor at the time, I pitched her, and I, was, I literally, I pitched her for two years, so probably, 20, 30, possibly four times, uh, so 40 times, just went on and on and on. And she said, no, they're not quite right, not quite right, not quite right. So I just intermittently continued, and then eventually she said yes. And, and Jamie Thickson, for some strange reason, I don't know why he was particularly interesting, but it went for it. And then since then, I mean, there's been about four commissioning editors since then. But I've probably, I think I've worked this out recently, actually, but I've had about, it's about 30 grand's worth of work basically through that slot over the last decade so just by persisting you know just don't give up because you just never know when it's going to come a really sort of fruitful avenue so you just got yeah, to keep I mean, going. I think that's so true about journalism that self-belief and perseverance will take you really really far in journalism if you've got those two qualities um or you just fake that you've got them you just tell yourself you've got them you know then 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 you could, it's half the battle because just not giving up that will get you a commission you know at the end of the day you just keep going keep going keep trying keep pitching you'll get some feedback eventually you'll get the commission um from that editor if you keep on trying the same editor like nick just said and self-belief you need that self-belief to keep on trying because you can't have, it's like the two go hand in hand so you've really got to just believe in yourself as hard as it might be and just tell yourself you know if i don't go for this i'll regret it and that whole thing that i i listened to this cheryl sandberg thing being in and there was this thing and she said you know 
um, feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, that, that, that really stuck with me as, as good advice. Um, and I think, yeah, another way of looking at it is just fuck it, let's do it. <laughs> Have that attitude. Sorry, I don't know if you're allowed to swear. That's the on first the time. <laughs> <laughs> Exclusive swearing on the podcast. Yeah, I was, I was just going to come back and say, um, and it's also not just about um, persevering with new contacts or cold pitching, but also kind of with your existing one. Um, I remember, I think it was at the beginning of this year, I was messaging Emma and there was a publication that I wrote for regularly on a sort of magazine, pretty much every month I would have at least one big feature I was doing for them. And I would normally send them a list of ideas and they'd select maybe half of them. Um, and I, <laughs> I got to the point, I think I'd pitched them about 15 ideas and they just kept saying, no, not quite right. No, no, we've done something similar no not really and I was like what do they want I've been writing for them for years um and they're just saying no 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 and I was just like tearing my hair out thinking what is going on here and then I just had to kind of just keep going just keep going back and they were you know always positive saying send us more ideas send us more ideas and in the end it kind of it's almost like we set itself and suddenly I came up with ideas that they did want and I just the stuff I'd just been coming up with wasn't what they wanted. Um, and and then they did start commissioning me again, but it was just like this weird like blip where I wasn't getting anything and it was just really odd. Um, so it kind of, it I think it's good that, because it you, I guess you can get quite complacent if you regularly write to someone and they regularly take like most of your pictures to suddenly like have nothing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I there are publications and things that I've wanted to do that have been on my wish list for years. Kind of every New Year's Day, I'm writing a list of the things I want to achieve in the next year. And I could go back years and years and years and find the same thing over and over. But I have to remind myself the reason I haven't done this yet is because I've been really busy writing for all the regular people that I have and writing a book and all the other things. And um, it's not that it, that's not a failure it's just that I'm <laughs> I'm being successful in another area and maybe that that it, that's not achievable because there's only one of me and I kind of have to keep that in perspective I mean Donna do you have a, any advice for kind of setting realistic goals I suppose and just making sure that you're not over kind of worrying about things that are, you have no control over are fine yeah absolutely um I mean, I was just thinking about when you were talking because I, I used to be very much a specialist personal finance journalist and I was writing for the money sections of the National, um, but not really writing about much else. And then one of the, um, the editors that I used to write for, um, Lisa Batchelor, she was the editor of Cash in, in The Observer and she got promoted to be deputy news editor. And I said, can I take you out for lunch? Because I thought that would be the very last time that I would get to work with her and I just kind of wanted to say goodbye and um so I so I took her out for lunch and at the end you know we had a lovely lunch with a lovely chat and then she was like so you're going to pitch to me on the news desk and I was like no no way no like I had massive imposter syndrome about this moment I, was, I mean I hadn't I really hadn't anticipated or even saying that at all I just wanted you know sort of say goodbye um 
and and yeah and she's just like no of course you you know we're not saying goodbye Donna this isn't about saying goodbye it's just about like me I was asking you wanting what and I was like no no and I just said no I said no my imposter syndrome completely held me back and then she um she was encouraging me to pitch you know again um and eventually she was news editing with the news editor was on holiday and she just commissioned me to write something. She was, she was so, she had so much more belief in me than I had in myself. And she's like, I know you can do this. It's a consumer piece. You can do it. And she led me through it. And she taught me through like even the first paragraph, everything. And it was so helpful. And, you know, and then I did it and I was like, oh my God, I did it. I did it. Amazing. And, um, and then she, you know, she continued to encourage me. And I realized that I didn't have time for writing the news desk. They were really short commissions. And I had already had, like my time was already filled up, like with other stuff. And I realized I had to invest in allowing myself to have like Thursday and Friday free in case, you know, she asked me to write something for the news desk or if I found an idea, which I found very difficult to start to find ideas. But I just kind of had to like make space because this was something that I really wanted to do. And that, again, that was like, I realized that I didn't want to hold myself back by, by not giving myself time to write the, the news desk with the observer. So, it was sort of a bit of a gamble and again it was that self-belief that sort of pushed me through it because I thought I've got to make the most of this opportunity she's kind of offering me work and I keep saying no because I'm doing other stuff so it was you know I think part of it was was luck and encouragement from her but part of it was me going I'm going to go for this um and definitely I think you you've got to kind of take control over the things in your life that are important to you and accept that there are other bits of your life you know you can't write for everyone you can't always you know pitch to the magazine supplement that you want to write for because as you say you're busy doing other stuff but you also have got to at some point set aside some time and go for it because you'll never know otherwise yeah I, I did that the other week actually I, I sat down and kind of made a plan for like I don't know, like a six months plan, I suppose. Like, what do I want to do? And I, I, I know I can kind of continue writing for the regular people that I write for, but actually I kind of need a new challenge and I need to be pushing myself and I need to be trying to find new outlets to write for. And so, yeah, sometimes it's useful to just sit down and say, right, I'm going to do this amount of work for my regulars um, and, you know, I'm going to earn a certain amount. Yeah. I always get nervous. Nah, revenue stream here. Yeah. I always get nervous when Lily writes a plan. And then to Emma, <laughs> we're writing a book on this. We're doing another podcast series covering this. We're going to go and run a hundred kilometers in this country. Yeah. <laughs> That's I think yeah, it's good to have that attitude though, because I think because we're all freelancers and it's not this, you know you don't work for one person. You work for two, three, four, five, six. I think the, the more you do, the wider your sort of tentacles the more opportunities arise. And I think what you were saying earlier about it being a community and sharing amongst the freelance community, that, that completely works both ways. I've, I've had loads of examples over the last few years where, for instance, I've got an interview with someone and then it, it's not come off for some reason or I've, I've not got a commission or, or maybe I've had it and I, I just couldn't do it for a particular reason. So I've sort of given it to somebody else and they've done it and then they've reciprocated that at a later date and they've given me one that they couldn't do and then a new a new relationship has developed with that editor and then that becomes a strong relationship so just because i reciprocated with somebody else then i've it's taken me down that whole avenue and i think if you have like a 
a closed attitude towards other people and opportunities, then you, you're going to get narrower and narrower, and I think that's when you're going to be in a bit of trouble. I think you've got to, you've got to be wide and open. I think. Yeah, I know. Although I think at the moment, actually, I was thinking this yesterday. Um, I mean, it's probably it's a tough time to start being a freelance, I guess, at the moment. But I, I do think it's actually a good time to be a established freelance because you know the economy is so precarious. And if you're a staff writer at the moment, I mean, there's so many redundancies on staff jobs. I would be feeling very nervous and wary that you know your income could go from 100% to nothing in a day. Whereas as a freelance, you know, I've, I've fully expect uh, you know the drop of a hat an editor's going to leave a new one's going to come and they're not going to like me but that's only like 10 percent of my income gone you know it's extremely unlikely that my income is going to collapse tomorrow it's just not going to happen so i think that's a, a, an advantage of being freelance at the moment yeah it's actually more secure in some ways but i mean i listened to your podcast um on on writing the book and i was so impressed by that you know that you guys made the time to do that when you know amongst all your other stuff and and I think you know being ambitious in some way pushing yourself to do something new or to try a new section whatever it is it's just it keeps you keeps you on your toes and it just I don't know you just find yourself going and doing more and more exciting things um and and, and like Nick says it's always good to help out other people because if for example you know there's something that you find you can't do it recommend to the editor another freelancer who could do it and it, you inevitably just end up getting some benefit out of that at some point yourself yeah i mean i used to get i had a few staff jobs before going freelance and i used to get bored really quickly i think i finally left uh, bbc news online when i'd written the fourth q a on heatwave <laughs> oh my god can we not just use the last one nothing's changed i can't do this again <laughs> And it's safe to say I never get bored now, ever. I'm doing too many different things all the time. Um, let's kind of finish up here by talking a bit about how to deal with reject rejection. I'm going to ask you both about this, but Donna, this is something that you wrote about recently, kind of turning failure into an advantage almost, or not just assuming that that's the end of the road if, if something's not working out. Um, so yeah, maybe you could fill us in on what, what you learned writing the article. Yeah, so I basically I pitched this article um, about rejection because at the time there was there was a hashtag trending about share your rejection and I noticed lots of famous, really successful people were talking about their rejection um, on Twitter and, and I pitched it and it was accepted. <laughs> yeah, so we like, how ironic if we had rejected it. <laughs> and I, but it was amazing because I... I, I really learned a lot about rejection by interviewing people who'd, who'd been rejected and eventually succeeded, whether in love or in life or in career or whatever. Um, but also psychologists and, and this one guy who'd spent like a hundred days just getting rejected every day deliberately, like he sought rejection. And he realized that what he was afraid of was actually worse like the fear of rejection was worse than the actual rejection itself. Like the rejection itself was not such a big deal. Um, but he was fit, so, so in his head, it was seemed like such a big deal that he stopped himself from doing things that he really wanted to do with his life. And similar, um, this other person, she said, you know, when she got rejected, she took it as like, right, I'm angry. I'm going to fire off two other pitches, like, or two other job applications or whatever it is. And then, and like, 
I'm going to get this. I'm, nothing's going to stop me. I'm, nothing's going to stand in my way. And if you do have that attitude, then I think um, it can make you just almost unstoppable force. And also you learn so much when you get rejected from an editor because they, you start to develop a relationship with them. If you keep pitching the same editor and they keep rejecting you, eventually they are going to sort of notice that you're really obsessed with writing for them. And they're going to start to give you some pointers and some feedback on your ideas because they can see you're committed, you're keen, and you know they also like well, you know I can't I can't just keep ignoring this poor person. <laughs> and most editors won't won't do that, so they will eventually respond and they'll start to help you. And that's when you can develop a relationship, and um, because you learn about what they want, and like you've just given some examples of you keep getting rejected and eventually get it right and then you can you can have that wonderful um more like um sort of reciprocal relationship where where you know what they want they know you're good at delivering and it's just a happy you're a happy couple <laughs> yeah i mean nick do we you kind of mentioned about pitching 40 times to someone before you kind of got um, that commission you wanted do we need to think as freelancers a bit differently about how we view failure yeah, I mean I don't even know if that's the right word I, I always think and this, this happens quite often actually it's, it's happened dozens of times in the last decade but for, for me a no all a no is is it's a no now it's a no today it's not a no it's not like that's done I never think of it like that ever I always think okay well you know you don't like that idea or that person today you know maybe it's just it's not you know, they haven't done the right thing maybe you just had a bad day there could be all sorts of reasons and it's happened loads of times where I've, I've come back to them a week two weeks three weeks later and some slight aspect has changed and then, and then it's a yes so you just go you know it's important not to think in a sort of a catastrophic sort of way it's not like it isn't the end of the world the end of the avenue it's, it's just a temporary thing I mean life is life you know one thing you can guarantee from life is that it is constantly constantly changing you know tomorrow will not be like today that is a guarantee so if you remember that then there's no there's no real such thing of a an absolute no it doesn't really exist but if, if you tell yourself it does i mean you're in trouble because if you start believing that then it becomes a sort of circular thing and you, you spiral into negativity and then you sort of yourself defeated before you've even pitched because you're you're probably thinking well this is going to be another no it's bound to be another no so then you're probably going to put a half-hearted pitch in and it probably will be a no whereas if you do the opposite that, like donna was saying you know the, the editor will think well you know they are really enthusiastic and you know they'll they'll sense your desire almost and, and if i was an editor that's who i want writing for i want people who've got you know enthusiasm and desire i don't want some half-hearted sort of not really caring person i don't want that i think that's what they want they want enthusiasm just, just be enthusiastic and you know, like just, but if you have to fake it, fake it, and then over time, it, it will become real. So you have to get yourself into that mindset, and then it becomes your actual mindset. Yeah, and I was going to say, I think there's something as well about the way you handle rejection because it's always good if the editor replies and says no, thank you, to, to reply to them and say, well, thank you very much for taking the time to reply to me because I know you're busy and I really appreciate it. You know, any feedback on my day would be welcome. Otherwise, I'm going to keep trying. You know um because i'm really keen to write for you and then you know just just show them show them that you're not upset or terribly you know annoyed about the rejection i mean sometimes editors have had that's spoken to me and said they've had like terrible replies from people going well you're lost and you know 
uh, or like three months later, someone's got in touch and said, just so you know, I pitched it somewhere else and now it's come out in your rival magazine. So, ha. You know, it's like that's not going to help you to develop a good relationship with that editor the next time you want to pitch them. You know, you just, it's just ridiculous. So you've really got to be able to handle rejection or at least learn to handle rejection as a freelancer. It is part of the job and it's not a terrible part of the job. It's just like putting on your shoes. It's just something you do every day as a freelancer. You might get rejected and then you'll get accepted and get rejected and you get rejected, accepted. Just that's just part of the job. Yeah, it's, and it's, sorry, it's, in life, it's, it's um, like you say, you, you know, you can't often, you, can, you don't really have control over the actual rejection. You know, it's, it's the editor's decision whether they reject your idea, your pitch or not. What well, you do have control over is how you react to the rejection so you know you, you're making a choice there so you, you can either get cross and start to foolishly abuse the editor which is like insane or, or you can just you know suck it up basically and move on yeah and i think also it's important to remember that a lot of it is to do with is like you say timing or things out of your control um and like you say nick it's not a no it's just a no for now i i've had experiences where I've pitched something um and not had anything and then literally a year later the editors come back and there's some hook that they want to hook your original pitch onto and they've yeah. filed it away somewhere obviously just searched for the topic idea your name's come up and then they've come back and, and commissioned you so yeah. you know these, these things do happen so it's it's you know like you say it, it's not it's not a no it's just it doesn't work this time and place but it's right. important to build those relationships and it, and it is always going to be a no if you don't pitch it's yeah. a no clearly because you haven't pitched so you definitely haven't got the commission so why not try exactly well i'm really pleased that i'm not the only one who occasionally feels a bit like i'm going to be found out as a fraud um but that's been some really good advice from both of you on how to ensure that that feeling doesn't uh, get the better of us. Um, I also need to say that uh, Nick and Donna are running a um, webinar on how to interview celebrities, which, I mean, if you want kind of experienced journalists and talking about that, this is uh, your chance. We will put the details and the links of that in the show notes um, so you can find out more about it. Yeah, um, and we made a note of all the things we've discussed today, those mental schemes, so we'll add those to the show notes as well. Um, if you want to get in touch to suggest any ideas for topics you want us to cover, you can always email us at freelancingforjournalists at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at freelancing for. Uh, you can follow us individually as well. I'm at Emma Journo. And I'm at Lily Cantor. And don't forget to join our Freelancing for Journalists Facebook community where there's lots more tips and advice. We've had loads of new members to that recently. So, yeah, come and join in. I'm a member. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you both are, yeah. Um, yeah, so just to also a uh, big shout out. We had a couple of people this week who um, paid us a donation on our coffee page and left some really nice feedback. So thank you very much. And if anyone else wants to leave a donation then our coffee page is our pinned tweet and there's also a link on our website freelancingforjournalists.com yeah and we're getting lots of new listeners all the time um but don't forget to like rate and subscribe to the podcast because it helps people find us in fact 
if you were so inclined, the most useful thing you could do is leave us a review. That would be fantastic. Yeah, please leave us a review. I know not, not all the podcast hosts allow you to do that, um, but I think our stats tell us that most people listen on Apple Podcasts and you can leave a review there, so that would be brilliant. I was also looking at our stats the other day and realised that we have got people listening to us in 73 countries around the world now, which is quite astonishing. I don't think I could even name 73 countries. Um, but this is the last episode um, of this particular series, but we have lots more plans. So fear not, we will be back soon. But for now, goodbye. Yeah, bye for now. Bye.